Well, officially, good morning, my friends. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome to this Easter season. Uh, it's it's Easter's not just a one day celebration. This is a it's a season, right? We got Easter, and then we'll have um, Ascension. We'll kind of end that season with Pentecost being the next week, and then then we'll be into ordinary time. That's that a whole long summer of. We'll figure out some series to, to preach on, but for, for the, we're going to stick in the Easter season for these next you know, five or six weeks or so. Um, three years ago, um, if you remember three years back, uh, that was the Easter where um, uh, we didn't meet on Easter. That was, the pan, that was the first pandemic Easter. And I remember that first Easter, I was uh, scrolling on uh, social media that morning and came across this Easter poem that was actually written by one of our own. Uh, her, uh, her name is Joyce, Joyce Clauck, if, if anyone knows. Joyce, if you're listening, uh, you gave me permission to read this three years ago, and I'm going to read it again today. I didn't ask you this week, but I think you'll be fine with that. Um, but I got permission once. I'm, I'm sure that lasts for eternity. Um, but this was a beautiful poem that uh, Joyce had uh, written on Facebook and uh, and I read three years ago, but when I was getting ready for this, I, I really, this is just the best intro for this sermon this morning. Um, and this was remind you, was, was, was she posted this and wrote this while we ourselves were shuttered in in our own homes and, um, and not able to be here. Um, she says, can you imagine the 11 left hiding in the upper room? Can you see them weeping, silent, bent in grief? In recrimination, in self-loathing, can you see them now? Uncertainty in all, but certain fear waiting for the legion's knock on the bolted door. Can you hear them whispering their memory, trying to piece the promise they thought they understood until now? For them, there is no morning, no Easter morning, only grief and hopeless loss saturated emptiness until a stone is rolled away. These first few lines from our friend Joyce say it all, and I remember uh, vividly them breaking me wide open that year. Again, that was the year where it was only myself in here with Mark and my own family, and then I think the Merrills had come and put pictures of people on the backs of the seats. Um, that, was the, that, that was that Easter, and I remember uh, that, that, that poem from Joyce just hit hard, right? Because this story just hit harder that particular year. Because we usually associate the feelings of Easter with joy, yeah? And, and why shouldn't we? Because Easter is the celebration of, of resurrection. It's good news that causes us to gather each, every Sunday that we call little mini Easters, yeah? But you see, the words of this poem, they capture a different side of that first Easter morning. You know, what we were feeling in real time. Can you imagine, Joyce writes, can you imagine? See, these are words of lament, of fear, of, of numbness, where it seems like there's no hope on the horizon. She says, until a stone is rolled away. Yet even on that first Easter Sunday, that stone being rolled away, I think, may have even caused more fear and hiding. Let's pray, and then we're going to dig into uh, this Easter season uh, this morning. Creator God, Christ Jesus, and Holy, Holy, Holy Spirit, we bring before you all of our resurrection joys, 
from the week that was, from our celebration last Sunday, the sunrise and, and the big band playing the joyous music. But God, we also acknowledge, even during an Easter season, even during a season of resurrection, that there also can be sorrow and heartbreak that still resides in the very center of our soul. And so God, this morning we ask for new eyes with which to see you and the others around us. We ask for new ears with which to hear your word and new ears with which to listen to people better. We ask for new hands and feet that allow us to join with you, taking the liturgy of this service into the liturgy of our week, and we pray for new hearts that may align with the sacred heart of Christ. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. All right, friends, so over the first, uh, the, the next few weeks, rather, uh, we're going to concentrate on the events that took place on this very first Easter Sunday. Uh, there's a lot of accounts of things that happened on this one particular day. So the next, like, I think today, next week, and the next week, so like, these next three weeks, including today, we're going to put ourselves in the place of the disciples on that first Easter morning, okay? Uh, the events that took place throughout that, that actual day. Last week, Jan read to us the first 18 verses from John 20. That's the classic Easter text, right? How Mary of Magdala, she saw the risen Christ in the garden. Uh, Jesus said, don't cling to me after she thought he was the gardener, realized it was him. Uh, these are the verses that took place immediately after that. So she left off in verse 18 last week. We're going to pick up in verse 19 if you want to follow along in a Bible that you have. Uh, either on in one of the, there's Bibles all over the place in here, uh, different translations, as well as, um, you know, you can pull it up on your smart device. The other thing is, uh, they also will be on the screen. So, Stephen, you can go to that next slide. Uh, people have, a have said that they've really enjoyed this, seeing what is on my paper. So, this is what I have on there, and I'm going to go through this, and we'll do this uh, together. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, John... John 20, verse 19, or John 21. I think it's John 20. Um, so uh, chapter 19, I mean, chapter 20, verse 19. Okay. John writes, Therefore, it being evening of that first day of the Sabbaton, that Sabbath week, and we're the mathetai, the disciples, these learners, these pupils. That's what that word means, someone who's learning from someone else. Where they were, the doors, having been shuttered for fear of the Judeans. Jesus, Jesus, was coming and was standing in the midst and says to them, I reign, I men, peace to you. And saying this, he shows them both his hands and the side of his body. Then these mathatai, these disciples, these learners, these pupils, idontes, upon spiritually seeing. You see, this is not as much of a word for physically seeing something, but rather to see something with the mind's eye, to perceive something inward here. So then the disciples, upon spiritually seeing the Lord, they were rejoicing. They were delighting. So therefore, Jesus again says to them, Irene, amen, peace to you. As the pater, as the Father is sending me forth, I also am sending you forth, right? Like, get out of this room. Stop hiding in this room. And saying this, he breathes upon them and says to them, Labete numa agion, take a hold or receive a Holy Spirit. 
And so a lot has happened here since the events of Palm Sunday, yeah. Uh, if you were tracking with us during, uh, you know, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday into Easter last week, you'll remember that Jesus had quite the week, yeah. A lot of different teachings was going on, a lot of different uh, confrontations between him and the religious rulers. He was, he was flipping over tables. Uh, he was giving a lot of good parables. Uh, ended up in that upper room, right? Broke the bread with his disciples. Went to the garden that night, betrayed by Jesus. I mean, by Judas. Was crucified, dead, and was buried. Yeah, if you were here on Good Friday, do you, if you, you might remember that last, that very last slide uh, of Jesus laying in the tomb that was kind of, it was a little hard to look at. And, 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 and think about it. And we did talk about this on Good Friday as well, but Think about all these events playing out, not from our, you know, uh, you know, 2023 lens of looking back all these years later, but think about these events taking place all week and into this first Easter through the eyes of those who chose to give everything up to follow this guy, to follow Jesus. That first Easter, they are... They're, they're devastated, right? They're not in a church building with loud music, you know, you know yelling and singing and, and, and getting all hyped up. They're disappointed. They're disappointed how things turn out, and they're so fearful of going outside. Because think about it. If they can kill the, the leader of this revolution, this, this Messiah, they can kill him. They can certainly kill us as well. And we know from Luke's writing that a couple of these disciples decided to flee for the hills and run to Emmaus. That's where we're going to we'll, we'll be there next week. Um, we're going to look, like I said, a lot through the eyes of the disciples in these first weeks. But, but these mathatai, as John writes, these disciples, these pupils, Jesus learners, they thought the best possible way to get through this situation was to simply hide out during this fearful time, to hunker down in that upper room with the doors locked, being careful of, not really letting people in, you know, maybe being careful when they went out to grab food or, or whatnot. However, look what happened while they were behind those four walls. Christ found a way to bring his presence to them. Okay? You're going to notice this next week with the road to Emmaus. These disciples are walking away from the holy city, and Christ finds a way to meet them where they're at. Jesus meeting us where we're at. Notice he didn't find them, and he wasn't found first in the temple. He wasn't in a synagogue. He wasn't in a church gathering. He wasn't with a mass gathering of people out on the hillside. But rather, he came into this home, this small upper room in the place they chose to hide from the outside world. And we're going to see this all throughout the rest of these resurrection uh, occurrences as well. Much like Jesus' birth, think about this. The events of the Christ bypassed the places of power in the first century. Remember his birth in the humble town of Bethlehem, in a stable, not at Herod's palace. Again here, the resurrected Christ is not showing up at Herod's door and demanding all these things. He bypasses that and instead is a part of the least of these. And just as Jesus had a tendency to do, he brings with him words of peace. Yeah? He brings with them that word Irene that I said, shalom, restoration, Another translation of that word could be oneness or, or rest, right? He says, peace be with you to his friends. Oneness with you, rest with you, like calm your soul. And he shows them his hands, right? He still had those scars, showed him his feet. And then he says again, he doubles down on this. Peace be with you. 
says, so as the Father has sent me forth, I am now sending you forth, right? Get out of this upper room, right? And you'll notice next week with the Emmaus disciples, it's the opposite. It's go back. He doesn't say that, but they, they, they kind of get that picture. And then Jesus does something a little bit bizarre, um, but he breathes on them. Except for when you remember that the word spirit in the Greek, pneuma, right, is breath, spirit, and wind. It's all kind of connected. So he breathes on them and says, receive a Holy Spirit. Receive a spirit that is the Christ within me and the Christ now within you. This is a pretty incredible story from the first Easter Sunday. It's unremarkable in it's not the big flashy with the tomb being opened and, 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 and things of that nature, but rather it's a quiet story of Jesus bringing his peace, his oneness, his rest to those who are inside, shuttered in and suffering. And folks always ask, or folks often ask, especially when tragedy hits, uh, like, where is God in the midst of all this? Like, what, 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 you pick whatever it is that you're, that, you're, that you're thinking in your mind. You know, where is God in the midst of all this? You know, where is God in the midst of a school shooting? Or, 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 or where is God in the midst of a war-torn country? Or where, where is God in the midst of those fleeing for the hills, like we'll see with the Emmaus disciples, you know, found at the border of life and death? Where, where is Christ? Where do we find Christ in the brokenness of our pain in our life? Right here. He's right alongside us through his spirit, right? That same spirit that Jesus breathes into this new creation that he's ushering in. It's the same spirit that the resurrected Jesus breathed into the lungs of his disciples. And it's that same spirit of the resurrected Jesus that is being breathed into our lungs every single time we take a breath today. My friends, there is hope on the other side of the cross. Yeah? Um, if we didn't have Easter, then Good Friday would be, the, would be the pinnacle as it is, but it would just end there. It would end with a dead guy on a, being buried in a tomb. But you see, the Paschal mystery, this is what we call it in fancy church terms, that there is hope on the other side of whatever it is, any death that we might go through, any hardship, any suffering. You see, there may be seasons in our faith journey and there are going to be seasons in our life journey where the heart is basking in sorrow. Where our hearts are just yearning for something more. But learning to allow that sorrow and that pain and that yearning to become divine sparks in the dark can be very, very transformative for us in, in our lives. Like, how are you being transformed in the midst of whatever it is that's going on right now. Whatever that's happening right now, how are you allowing Christ to transform your life? How is your heart being transformed as you wait for hope on the horizon? Yeah, much like we talk about Lent or lament during the season of Lent, right? That, that, that liminal space of like, we know that there's hope coming. We're just not quite there yet. What is the spirit of Christ teaching you during a season such as that? What is Jesus, through the breath of his spirit, doing in your life right now, even as it feels like you're shuttered in a room for fear of the outside world? Can you see divine sparks within the ordinary? Yeah, we talked about that was our summer series last year, yeah? Remember noticing divine sparks? 
Are you able to notice the presence of Christ? Even as you're walking in the shadow of death, right? Can you notice those scars of sacrificial love? Can you hear those words of peace and feel the breath of a Holy Spirit in your lungs? My friends, if there's anything that we could just kind of sink into this morning is that there is hope on the other side. That there is life after death. There's hope on the other side of whatever it is that might be bringing you down or any wounds that you may be carrying around. And so here's what we're going to do this morning. I'm going to invite Mark to turn that Holy Ghost music back on. Um, I'm going to lead you in a spiritual practice that allows for us to examine the inner wounds that we may be carrying around in our life. I'm going to allow a space to acknowledge where we might be suffering as we also allow the Christ to breathe peace into our very lungs. Think about this. If you and I are honest, at any given moment, we can probably identify a wound or two within our nafesh, right? Nafsi, that nafesh, that, that Hebrew word for our soul, the inner you know, being of who we are. You can probably identify a wound or two that's caused by something painful or something that's happened. I mean, perhaps you were insulted by someone, you felt rejected or unappreciated. Maybe you weren't allowed a seat at the table. Or perhaps you're carrying a deep hurt that calls for deep peace. So simply take a breath, take a deep breath, and let this contemplative practice lead you in praying through these wounds. I just note that sometimes when contemplating uh, inner wounds, um, sometimes it can get kind of heavy. And so I'd like to encourage you, if, if, if feelings come up this morning that are too big for you, uh, feel free to do whatever it is that you need to do. If you need to get up and move, if you need to get up and go outside, uh, if you need to get up and go to the bathroom, get water, or, and I would especially encourage you to speak to someone afterwards. Talk to me. I'll stay afterwards, and we can, we can talk, or someone else that you're close to, or even your therapist this week, if something does kind of come up that's big. Don't just be, go at it on yourself, just uh, by yourself with, with God. It's also okay to have other people involved with this. So make yourself comfortable. Um, I find it best to be sitting up straight. Uh, you don't have to do any of my suggestions. This is your time to spend with the divine. Um, you could journal this if it helps. You can have your eyes open, your eyes closed. The only thing I ask is that you just notice your breath. Just notice that breath that Christ is breathing into you right now, just as he breathed into those disciples. And as you inhale, inhale all that is good, all that is of the Christ. And as you exhale, let go of everything that's weighing you down. Exhale all that is not of God. Breathe in. And breathe out. Simply breathe in that pneuma, that holy, sacred breath, and breathe out. Continue to breathe as I pray. Gracious God, we know we need not summon you into our midst, for you are already here. We simply ask that you would allow us to notice your presence. Notice your spirit that is as close as the air we breathe. 
with whatever is going on in our life, we bring our whole selves before you now. We ask for your guidance. We ask that as we examine our day, that you would reveal to us who we are, not who we think we ought to be. Help us to be still and know, to truly know that we are your beloved sons and daughters and that you listen without condemnation but in love. Please speak for your children are listening. Continue to breathe. Continue to be present in this very moment and ask God to show you a wound that is in your nefesh, your soul. What is something that is causing you to feel hurt or frightened this morning? What is causing you to feel angry, resentful, remorseful? Do the hard work and allow God to take you to that difficult place within your soul. Perhaps you find yourself painfully, yet prayerfully remembering the moments that have created this wound and courageously sit in the midst of this difficulty. Take a moment and simply be honest before your God. Behold that which is beholding you in love. Just sit for a brief moment and acknowledge that hurt. ask God to show you the strongest emotion that you are feeling. As you sit with this hurt, with this wound, no doubt there were some strong emotions. Try to find the strongest one and speak to God about how you are feeling. Invite God into the whole of your story. No matter how unpolished, unapologetic, real and messy it may be, God can handle it all. Just take a moment and sit with Christ and sit with this one strongest feeling or emotion. Be still 
and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God, the psalmist writes. So simply just sit in the quiet, sit in the stillness, giving God a chance to do whatever God wants to do with you right now. Perhaps in this quiet moment, God will just place his hand upon your soul. Perhaps he'll say something to you. Or perhaps you'll just sit together in stillness and quiet. It's okay if God seems to be saying and doing nothing at all. Just simply trust that he will help heal this wound in his own time, in his own way. So take a moment and listen for that still, small voice of the divine. Please speak, O Lord, for your children are listening. Now we look forward and hope. Prayerfully daydream for just a moment. And imagine the day when you are no longer feeling wounded about this. What would that feel like? What might be your attitude, your perspective? What are your thoughts, feelings, words, and actions if you were truly a recovered soul? What grace do you need right now? What grace do you need to begin to heal? What grace might you need to be a better mirror of Christ to the world around you? Perhaps you need more patience. Perhaps you need more love. Whatever that gift is, just pray to God now that grace, that grace that can show us that there is hope on the horizon, that there is life after death, that there is hope on the other side of the cross. Where do you need Christ to breathe peace into your life today?
time to return to the present is now, just slowly and gently. May the God who dwells within us be forever free to reach out to God who dwells among us. That together we might approach God who dwells beyond us, among us and within us. And so may our God bless us always, who we name Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in whose name we pray, our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, just as we forgive those who are indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.